0: What? Season six of Trashy Divorces. Season no rules. No rules at all. Welcome back to Trashy Divorces. I'm
1: Stacey. Hi, friends. I'm Alicia. It's good to see you there. It is good to see you there. We're back for season six. No rules. No rules. This is so different. We're recording our intro first. We always record our intro last, but we're recording it first today because no rules. This whole season, we're picking... Two ideas out of two cups at the end of every episode. We did this last week on our little bonus drop. Mm-hmm. And who oh, did God. you? Who,
0: who did? Yeah, let's talk about what that
1: resulted in. Um, and you're going first this week, I think so. I am going first. Uh, I drew uh, America's uh, arguably most famous architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. And it is so trashy, Stacey. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. It's good.
0: It's funny how, I mean, you just don't think of people like that and go, ooh, trash bag. Charles Dickens, for instance, like, trash bag. Oh,
1: keep your socks on or right. off because, whoa.
0: Well, mine is one that I think everyone looks at and, and thinks trash bag as well as a bunch of other probably more positive things. And that is Tiger Woods. Oh, yes. Trash bag. So
1: the one thing, it's season no rules. Like, I don't have a song for this one. Uh, I do. Oh, What? We're doing Eye of the Tiger, (laughs) but
0: 80s spectacular. Who is that Survivor? Sounds right. Done. We'll edit. If not, Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Perfect. It's going to be this
1: weird insert of like, it was. (laughs) No, I'm pretty confident that's Survivor. Okay. I mean, it's the thrill of the fight. I mean, I've heard that. Standing up to the challenge of our rivals. All right,
0: let's talk about Patreon. Oh my gosh.
1: What a fun few weeks over there in our season break. What's happened? I, a trashy tutors. We had a best of Hardwick, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Mm-hmm. I have
0: the, uh, wow, trashy divorce of Aldo Mato, former U.S. senator.
1: This week, the oh, trashiest the, thing I've ever heard was the... The vegan vixen and oh, the con man. Woo! So good. We wrapped up Ocean's Eleven with Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we
0: have uh, – keep in mind if you are looking – if you're casting around for more stuff to, to listen to while And we're... have a
1: little bit more free time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. While we're all, you know, doing this weird thing we're doing, you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash trashcandyquarantine to get a bunch of stuff that we pulled from behind the paywall over on the Patreon. And what are some of those?
1: Oh, Lord. Free trash candy. A whole expose about the Garden of Allah Hotel – Some bonus trashy divorces. We've got all of our trashy tidbits are going up there as well. Fun with Dunn 101 went up last week. The first Ocean's Eleven. It's so good. Yeah, there's some side pieces. Uh, This week, I think I'm going to add Fun with Dunn 102 about Anais Neen, Truman Capote. And this was, you really liked the story when we talked about Dominic Dunn's novel the two mrs grenvilles this oh yeah the that was a good billy woodward right that was oh, a good one was a good story i mean it was
0: it's trashy it's scandalous okay
1: i'm putting the dirty digs up about the mayan hotel murder house where maybe the black dahlia was murdered who which was designed by frank lloyd wright's son hmm. i was stumbling all over to this trashy divorce weeks ago because i got down that rabbit hole Anyway, we're going to have some more fun stuff dropping for you adjacent to this episode. Yep. So be sure to check that out at
0: bit.ly slash Trash Candy Quarantine. And uh, do you want to kick off the magic mirror with I our really thanks do. and praise?
1: Who's in the magic mirror this week with all of our love and thanks and praise? We have some new patrons. Mm-hmm. Tyler H., Emily P., Meredith H., Laura V., Courtney K., Madeline G., Wendy O.H.,
0: Lenny W., Chris W. Lydia W. I swear to God, when we get the... I'm like, oh, they're all related. They're all the W, w related. family. Okay. <laughs> Alistair C., Sarah L., and Sarah. With an H.
1: With an H. <laughs> well, different than Sarah L. Sure. And we have some super supporters. We do. A big shout out to Claire and Erica S. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to our new patrons. Thank you to our existing patrons. Thank you to the... Whatever, like twelve hundred people who've gone to check out that oh, it's free true, Candy yeah. Link. So- yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Patreon has notoriously terrible analytics, but that that Bitly link has really good analytics. <laughs> so-
1: if you need a few hundred hours to waste. We got you over on yes. the Patreon.
0: All right, so without further
1: ado, oh would you like tiger. to kick
0: off season six here, I- Alicia?
1: I'm ready to go, go, go.
0: Awesome. Cue the music. <laughs> Alicia, you have a titan of American architecture. Is that more or less what's going on here?
1: Good Lord. This story was far trashier than I knew. Listener suggested story many, many, many moons ago. Our friend Amy P. Siegel Mm -hmm. really wanted me to cover this trashy divorce. And it is the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) I've got spider webs for days coming on Patreon that spin out of here. I had no idea that it was that trashy. The song I heard in my head doing this was the Here I Dreamt Out was an architect song by the Decemberist. Excellent band. Used in the How I Met Your Mother episode, with, which leads me back to my hint because Ted Mosby, huh. architect. Right.
0: See. We left a hint in the last episode. Okay.
1: Arguably, the greatest American architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. This is a story of his trashy divorces. There are two of them. As well as the other, like, five trashy divorces that go along with his two and some true crime-adjacent bits and some remarkably hypocritical behavior of the highest order. Mm. I don't know if you're ready. Let's, let's go and see. This guy, let's yo. jump
0: in. Frank's mother. Like falling water.
1: Oh, look at you, ah. fancy. Frank's mom, Anna, her family is from Wales, West Wales. In fact, and the Lloyd Joneses are very proud of being Welsh. Mom Anna is born there. The whole family are devout believers in Unitarianism. That is the keystone of their life. I'm like, all right, Unitarianism, let's talk about it. What's the tenet of that religion? Unitarianists believe that God is one person, unlike Catholics who believe in the Trinity. OK. Right. That Catholics are like, we believe in the Trinity. There's God, there's Jesus and there's the Holy Spirit and they're all manifestations of God.
0: I was going to say, but it's all one aspect because these are technically monotheistic faiths. It's all very confusing to outsiders. So anyway.
1: Unitarianism is like, nah, that's God is one person. Jesus was a messenger of It was just a man who followed the belief. There's only one God. Unitarians reject original sin, predestination, and the infallibility of the Bible. Okay, They celebrate the magnificence of nature. People have individual freedoms, and they can choose themselves where the nature of God and man are. They're not dictated by words in the Bible. Okay. The Lloyd-Joneses are hardworking but low-paid people, and by 1844... The Lloyd Jones family is looking for a life that's a little bit more free than the one they're living in West Wales. Did so, they try
0: East Wales by any chance?
1: <laughs> the whole family, <laughs> including Mom Anna, moves to North America. They get on a boat, they eventually end up in Wisconsin. They buy property, they kind of set up a family compound. Anna is working as a school teacher. And meets a dude named William Carey Wright, who is the superintendent of the county schools. And Frank Lincoln Wright is born June 8th, 1867. Is he named for Abe? Yes. Cool. Yeah. He's going to drop the Lincoln, though. Hold on. We're going to talk about it. So let me tell you a little bit about Mama Anna. She is convinced from the time... Little Frank is in her womb that this child will grow up and build beautiful buildings. So she will decorate his room with magazine pages of buildings and cathedrals.
0: What a what an unusual I mean cuz like every parent is like, "Ooh, my kid's going to be a doctor." My kid's going to be an architect. Going to be a scholar. Mm-hmm. My kid's going to build
1: buildings. Well, she manifests this enough and plants the dream in the kid, which surprise. You won that game, Mama Anna. Yeah. Encourages the dream. At the age of 14, Frank's parents are getting a divorce. 1884. Dad William sues for a divorce from Anna on the grounds of emotional cruelty and physical violence and spousal abandonment. Wow. Mm-hmm. Frank says he will never see his father again. He will drop the Lincoln as the L and pick up Lloyd, his mother's, his maternal lineage name. That story doesn't sound so great. Not the story I'm here to tell. The parents trashy divorce. Okay, so 15, Frank graduates high school. It's 1885. He's going to go on to attend the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Go Badgers, I'm guessing. Yeah, go Badgers. (laughs) Well, Frank joins, hold on, this is a fun part, Phi Delta Theta fraternity. And the only reason I bring this up is Phi Delta Theta is the brother fraternity to my sorority, Delta Gamma. Anchored for life, yeah. (laughs) So Frank is doing his thing. He is going to leave the University of Wisconsin-Madison without a degree. Because I'm not sure if you know about the city called Chicago. Just right there. It's really close. There's a whole musical about it. They're building uh, these things called uh, skyscrapers. Right. Yeah. Like, Chicago is the place to be if you are a budding wannabe architect.
0: Yeah. Quick shout out to Devil in the White City, which gets into how the soil was all wrong. There's this whole thing about how you have to build, like, what you have to do to build a skyscraper in Chicago, and fascinating. Anyway, yes. So,
1: young Frank, looking to make good, Mm -hmm. gets an apprenticeship with a leading architect. In Chicago, and that leads to like a paying gig and can't stop, won't stop. We'll meet wife number one, Catherine, who goes by Kitty. She's born March 25th, she's an Aries. Hmm. They meet at a costume party for the All Souls Unitarian Church in Hyde Park on Chicago's South Side. They court for two years. In 1889, when Kitty is 18 and Frank is 21, woo they get married. Wow, they met. So she was 16 when they met. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was also a young and um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but traditional courtship. Sure. They marry. In no time flat, there's a kid on the way. Frank borrows money from his boss to buy some land in Oak Park, Illinois. Okay. It is said that Oak Park is where the saloons end and the steeples begin. Mm, okay. It's all very respectable. But Frank is revolted by the homes that are there. The homes surrounding him are these, like, Victorian numbers, and he's just oh, not Oh, I see. Impressed. He's, all right.
0: So he's just – he finds it all very uninspired and uninspiring.
1: Okay. So he goes about designing and building their home in Oak Park, which is really kind of amazing. Like, it had to have looked almost supernatural at the time. Like, it's definitely a Frank Lloyd Wright building, but it's open concept before open concept was a thing. Like, you see this Unitarianism coming out. We're all equal. Like, rooms are shared. It's a very different sort of... I don't know. It's interesting. You see it in all of his work. I don't know. It's based all within this communal feeling. I've been on a trashy building tour of everything that exists that I can look at that he's done. And it's kind of an interesting home. Anyway, things are going great enough. Frank and Kitty, gonna have five more kids. Total of six kids. Kitty has a little kindergarten in the home and all the yeah ki- it sounds like she's trying to stock it with students. well like all the neighborhood kids mm-hmm. come to kindergarten because she's a school teacher right? right um she's in these women's groups and in these women's groups she meets women uh met this very nice lady once uh Mama she's gonna come back. Uh, Frank opens his own firm and awesome he gains some extra notoriety. When the Unity Church in the town is hit by lightning, it burns to the ground in 1905, and Frank is chosen to build the new building. Hmm. So now he's a commercial builder as well. Okay. He's going to end up building about 50 homes in Oak Park during this time. He's the guy to get. So if you want a cool house in Oak Park, you go to him. You go to him. But there are a lot of rules. (laughs) He doesn't just design your home. Oh, oh! you don't
0: mean like the community has a lot of rules.
1: You know, Frank Lloyd Wright so has he, a lot so of he've, rules. He he won't work with just anyone. He's He won't work with just anyone. He will make your plans, but he also designs the furniture for your home well, as that's kinda, well. Kind of cool. Super cool. But if, you know, he stops by and that furniture is not where he wants it to be, he will rearrange your home. Oh, so he'll just... Pop by, drop in, Mm -hmm. and make sure everything is to his specifications. Um, There's also this one fun time that he has designed a home and the furniture in Oak Park, but he also designs a dress for the woman, the wife of the home, to wear for the housewarming party because the dress goes with the aesthetic and she can't wear anything. Okay, this guy is maybe a fucking control for you. Is it a good dress do we know it's not bad okay. matches the house matches the house i mean he's like barney stinson he's gonna teach you how to live uh in his home in his home and like not set aside a shining example so <laughs> poor kitty kitty meets this nice lady mayma and she and her husband are in the market for a home hey my husband Right, Frank designs 50 houses in Oak Park. Why don't you
0: guys come by for dinner
1: sometime? Frank meets Edwin Cheney and his wife, Mayma. And Mama is kind of a modern woman. She's an early feminist. And uh, by 1903, Frank is like, hey, Mayma, you're the woman of my dreams. Too bad you're already married. And Mayma's like, pshh, I don't think that matters. Let's have a tour at a fair. And scandalize the entire town for years. Their fair begins in 1903. Poor kitty. Like for six years, they carry on in Oak Park. They are riding carriages together their secret dalliances everybody so in the town knows not a secret dalliance at all it's uh, for six years look at us look at us we're poor kitty poor right? kitty poor and the poor children and okay so wait by 1909 frank and mama are like uh we've had enough of this and so they take off and head to europe and leave kitty and the six kids like it wasn't enough that you carried on in front of the whole town, but now you take off with her. Way to uphold your responsibilities. I'm so. sure. He,
0: I'm sure he left a bunch of money, though, right?
1: Not exactly.
0: Uh,
1: so, Mema's mm-hmm. husband Edwin is like, this is unbelievable. He'll divorce Mema quickly. He's out. You made your choice. Kitty will not divorce Frank. She's going to remain firm, hard no on this one. In 1910, there is an attempt at a brief reconciliation. It doesn't happen. Kitty and Frank are done. 1910. Just keep that year in the back of your head. Okay. Okay, this is where Kitty is kind of a badass. Kitty begins working with Jane Addams Hull House in Chicago. Okay. Working with Jesse Benford's Juvenile Protective Association. Kitty is devoted to the suffrage movement. She was active in the Red Cross during World War One. Both of her parents will die within weeks of each other in 1916, so she will take this inheritance and move to East Division Street with her four youngest kids in 1919. Still not divorced. Okay. Frank and Mama come back to the States, and in 1911, Frank's mom, Anna, buys the land next to hers in Wisconsin, and Frank begins building a home. A love nest, a love bungalow, for Mema and her kids, called Taliesin. Right, I've heard of this. Okay, it's all coming together. Frank has his girl, and her kids, and our home is beautiful. And I am a man fulfilled. I'm a man undivorced. Is that? I was going to ask. Is it because his parents
0: divorced that he didn't want to put his children? Kitty won't
1: give him a divorce. Okay, gotcha. Kitty's just like, no, dude, you you married me. Yeah. Um, I'm. Because it gets so bad. I mean, you cheated on me in the open. You've moved with your mistress to Europe. Now you're buying her a house. Like, you have, like, how outlandish is your behavior going to get? I mean, so far we're pretty good. <laughs> Frank <laughs> feels like it's all coming together, but friends, <laughs> it was not coming together at all. <laughs> so here we come to the true crime part of our story. And this one is national headlines in the summer and fall of 1914. This story, if it sounds familiar to you, was also told by Lorelai Gilmore in the Let the Games Begin episode when Emily is losing it about the walnuts and the salad. And Lorelai tells the story of Frank Lloyd.
0: Okay.
1: A little Gilmore Girls trivia there. Okay. Anyway, Lorelai gets some of it right, but let's talk about what really happened. August 1914. Frank is out of town. He's finishing the Midway Gardens. And he has already made plans to release from his service this dude named Julian Carleton. He's 31 years old. He had come to work as a chef at Taliesin for the summer. But that whole summer, Julian gets weirder and weirder. Like staying up at night looking out the window and stroking his knife weirder and weirder. So Frank and Mema are like, yeah, this guy needs to go. So they put out an advertisement in the paper for his replacement. And they say like, hey, August 15th is your last day, dude. He took it well. Julian did not take it well, friends, at all. And it is said, this is the term for it from the vernacular of the day, he runs amuck. At lunchtime, he locks Mema and her two kids and the other servants, who are eating lunch in the home, locks them inside the house, runs around Taliesin, throwing petrol around the home and sets fire to Taliesin, leaving the people inside to make their way out of a burning home where Julian is waiting with an axe. And he hatchets Seven people to what? death, including Mema and her two kids aged 11 and 9. Oh, my God. Julian will swallow hydrochloric acid immediately afterward, trying to kill himself, which he doesn't do. That doesn't work. The kid is almost like he's not a kid. Sorry. The dude is almost lynched on the spot, but ends up getting taken to the county lockup where he will starve himself in like seven weeks. He will never say anything about his motivation or reasoning behind the murders.
0: Oh my God.
1: Mm -hmm. Horrible. Horrible. Seven people, including two children? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. So Frank, still married to Kitty, is disconsolate with grief. You think? All of my dreams are done. This loss is devastating. Oh, I don't know how you would ever Um. When? What a horror show! Ugh. Hold up. You want to go ahead and take your socks off now? Mm. Okay. Because uh, a few days after this horrible, yeah. horrible thing, Frank gets a letter from a gal named Maud Noel. Miriam is what she goes by. She's born on May ninth. She's a Taurus gal. <laughs> Uh, within weeks, they are carrying on an affair. Well, I guess that's one way to
0: move past the brutal murder of seven humans that you were
1: close to. This is a year later, November 28th, 1915. There's an article published by the the Detroit Free Press.
0: And it's called, What the Hell is Wrong with Frank Lloyd Wright Anyway?,
1: Oh, hold on. Now this is where it gets bad. Okay. So, Taliesin is rebuilt. Okay, so this is upon the rebuilding of Taliesin.
0: By the way, can I ask you about that name? Is that Welsh, Welsh. or something? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. okay. Headline. The love letters of the new companion of Love Bungalow, Taliesin, is open again. Frank Lloyd Wright. Architect, artist, eccentric philosopher, romancer, and seeker, After the absolute, so christened his bizarre and beautiful country home on the Wisconsin River near Spring Green, Wisconsin, after Taliesin, son of St. Henwig, chief of the Bards in the time of King Arthur. Okay, thanks. Their life together has already been marred by Mrs. Nellie Breen, a discharged servant who stole Mrs. Noel's letters to Wright and sold them to a newspaper. To destroy the liaison for the benefit of Wright's children, she said... Mrs. Breen sent federal investigators on the affair, hoping to base prosecution on violation of the Mann Act. Sorry. What the hell, right? M-A-N-N? The Mann Act. How about just the Mann Act? No, the Mann Act in its original form made it a felony to engage in interstate or foreign commerce transport of any woman or girl for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery, or any other immoral purpose. This is not the only time the man Act is going to come into play. Okay. So all of Miriam's letters, Mrs. Noel's letters, are sold to the press, man. Here fed... This guy needs to stop hiring help. You're <laughs> not kidding. Like... There are walnuts in the salad. <laughs> <laughs> I have an excerpt of this letter. It's trashy. But... Long story short, Miriam and Frank are involved in no time flat. This is 1915. In November of 1915, Miriam is quoted in the Chicago Daily Tribune saying, Frank Wright and I care nothing for what the world may think. We are as capable of making laws for ourselves as were the dead men who made the laws by which they hope to rule the generations after them. They don't care. After seven years of this nonsense, of Frank and Miriam carrying on, by 1922, Kitty's like, fine, I'll give you your damn divorce. But I'm Kitty, (laughs) and I'm going to be a little damn petty about it. I just won the right to vote, and so you go do whatever you want. Well, that's it. But hold on, I'm going to put a restriction on it. You have to wait one year to remarry. Okay. Okay. So Frank's waiting around till 1923- which is also the same year that mom Anna dies. So I think Frank is dealing with some definite grief. Because Anna's pushed him around since birth. Like Anna is always the powerful figure in that she lives next door to him. I was going to say. Any yeah, home he ever has. His mom and neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's some grief there. But going back to Kitty. Kitty's like fine. 1922 I give you a divorce. Sure enough one year later. November 19th nineteen twenty three Miriam and Frank get married a year to the day, like after the divorce is granted. Frank will explain in his autobiography that he will marry Miriam to rescue their relationship. Nope. He says, yeah, marriage resulted in ruin for both. Instead of improving with marriage, as I had hoped our relationship became worse. Friends, it does. (laughs) Because I haven't talked about the fact that Miriam is addicted to morphine.
0: Okay, not great, but it sounds like Frank Lloyd Wright is not really in it for the long haul in his
1: relationships. A year later, by 1924, Uh Miriam is walked out of Taliesin. Okay. Okay, 1924. Feeling no pain. No, I'm sorry, that was in bad taste. Miriam walks out of Taliesin. Frank will hot foot it down to, uh, to Chicago one night. Where the Petrograd Ballet is performing. And he will meet... No. Olga Vanna Lazovich. Olga. A dancer. It doesn't matter that she's married. Oh, my God. Or 30 years younger. (laughs) Why would it? By 1925, she's moving into Taliesin. Oh, my God. Hold on. And he's still married, yeah? Is he still married to a second wife? Yeah, he's still married. Yeah. In April of that year, no, hold on. In April of that year, there's another fire that burns down Taliesin. This time it's newly installed telephone system wires, apparently, that were to blame. I mean it's a good thing you're a builder. You've built you've had the opportunity to build this home a bunch. Okay. 1925 also a big year because that year married Olga in December Gives birth to Frank's love child. Yeah, this seems in keeping with everything we've heard so far.
0: Miriam's mad. Miriam walked Wait, out. Wife number two, morphine addiction. Yes. She's mad. Okay. Miriam's mad.
1: <laughs> she files for divorce in 1925 as well, alleging desertion and cruelty. Did she not know about the first wife? <laughs> I mean, now there's a love child. Okay. Okay. By spring of 1926, Frank is photographed with the love child. And Miriam is so pissed. She's going to head back to court in 1926. She does this a few times. I've pulled this from May 20th, 1926. This is from uh, the Chicago News Bureau. Efforts to settle outside of court the differences between Frank Lloyd Wright, internationally known high art architect an Adventurer in love, and his wife, Maud Miriam Noel Wright, failed today, and their divorce suit before Judge A. C. Hotman was started shortly after noon at Madison, Wisconsin. Wright, in his bill, charges desertion. And in a counter charge, Mrs. Wright charges him with an affair with Madame Olga Milanoff, pretty Montenegrin dancer. In his Love Citadel at Spring, Wisconsin.
0: Love Citadel.
1: The couple, their attorneys, were prepared to settle. But when the differences in opinion as to the amount of alimony Wright should pay was brought up, a hitch developed. And the fight is just as spirited as ever. Okay. Also in this time, Miriam's lost her fucking mind. She tries to take Taliesin back by force. That fails, too. Wow. The bank bold. Oh my God. So Frank gets this commission and with the commission, there's more to this coming. He buys all this Oriental art, which burns in Taliesin. So his entire paycheck just went up in half a million dollars of anti like, okay. The bank is going to foreclose on Taliesin even after it's rebuilt. Here's another trashy part. Frank rents this cottage in 1926 in Lake Minnetonka. But he gets arrested because they think he's breaking and entering or something. And Miriam is like, hell yes, this is great. We got him now. So she's waiting for instructions from her lawyer hanging out in a hotel room in Chicago. I guess doing more morphing too. Never hears from her lawyer or does. And she disappears. It's national news. Nobody knows where Miriam is. She skips out on the hotel bill of 1500 bucks. <laughs> hmm. She reappears in February 1927 in California. Hold on. February 1st. This is the uh, headline from the San Francisco paper. This is an international newsreel photograph in the text that goes with it. Love's eternal triangle, missing mate found in San Francisco, present wife, but not the mate of Frank Lloyd Wright, noted architect Miriam Noel Wright, has been found here, The first trace of her since her disappearance from Chicago last December, she is firm in her determination not to permit Wright to obtain a divorce. This is national everything scandal. Yeah,
0: this is like okay, okay. So I think that there's some super excited journalist like on vacation in San Francisco is like, I know who that
1: is. (laughs) So good. So, Miriam heads out to California because Frank and Olga have been spending a lot of their time in California. Frank is now in Hollywood doing commissions. Uh, the Ennis house, the house that was used in Blade Runner. Okay. That's the Ennis house. There's a whole Dirty Digs I researched that was adjacent to the Hotel murder house. Anyway, Miriam during this time will actually sue, sue Olga. Olga's husband is going to take Olga to court for custody of the kid they already have, who's a whole different oh, spiderweb. Anyway, Miriam's writing obscene letters. There are, again, additional counter charges. It cannot stay out of the press. And ETA, everyone's the asshole. Everyone's acting badly. Okay. Oh, there's another arrest of Frank and Olga, where they are arrested for violation of the Mann Act. Again. again. But the charges were dropped. Like, this is front page news. These three in their annex, like, yeah. are 1926, 1927 trash sidewalk candy. Sure. Okay. The divorce between Miriam and Frank is finally granted in 1927. Here's the headline. Goodbye trouble, hello art. Admitting cinema ambitions and hinting at movie offers. Mrs. Frank Lloyd Wright quietly left San Francisco for Hollywood, Chicago, Paris, and Points East. The divorced wife of the famous Chicago architect, who has filled columns of newspaper space in her legal tilt with her noted husband, has been in San Francisco more than six months. For a time, she was penniless, hungry sometimes, and unable to pay her rent, she said. But a few weeks ago, she was given more than thirty thousand dollars and a substantial allowance in granting her husband a divorce.
0: Got in the late twenties. That is a healthy chunk of change.
1: Frank and Olga take off to Puerto Rico for a few months of RR. You know, they're tired of the legal battles. Okay, so holy cats. In the this is the divorce is granted like earlier that year. Miriam's still not done dogging Olga and Frank. In July of that year, she will track them down and trash their home. Just pull like a... What uh is... (sighs) So even after the divorce is done, she still does a breaking and entering and destruction of property. Yeah. Yeah. Is he liked by his clients? Like, is he...
0: I know that he's a celebrated architect but like the people who know him who are not his wives or mistresses like it, do they respect him is he like a fun guy to hang out with I we're going to talk about it. Okay. There's a
1: whole spin-off that we're going to do on Patreon this week that's a follow-up. We're going to get there. Okay. Concentrate on the the, the gotcha. story gotcha. is Hey, it's trashy divorces. Like, amazing. Okay. Okay. Frank and Olga will marry in La Jolla one one year to the day from the granting of Miriam's divorce. No, this guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) So after some financial wrangling, they get back Taliesin. Olga and Frank will remain married until Frank's death in 1959 at the age of 91. Okay, so they actually had a very long marriage. Very long marriage. Okay. That's technically the end of the trashy divorces. Okay. But seriously, there's this whole other trashy arc. Okay. Because 1929, right? Yeah. Frank's in his early 60s. Something happened there. There is no, he is, Frank is so scandalized that no one will hire him. He is in his early 60s. And hell, if this guy doesn't reinvent himself yet again by having this glorious third act. We're going to cover it and some adjacent trash this week on Dirty Digs. When we talk about Falling Water, the country cottage of the Kaufmans in Pennsylvania, because whoa, there's so much, like, there was so much associated trash with this story. Thank you, Amy P. Siegel. This story is the gift that keeps on giving. I love it so much. One other quick follow-up on the sad story of Kitty, first wife, before we get to trash cans. I was wondering. Kitty will remarry in 1930 to a dude named Benjamin Page. He's a retired Chicago businessman. For the first few years, they're living on a farm out in the country, but like within three years, Kitty's back in the city. She's a city girl. She's not a farm girl. They'll divorce in 1937. Kitty will kind of travel around from 37 to 45, spending time with her kids in various locations. She will finally settle in 1945 in California, In her later years, Kitty will suffer many health problems and will live her last decade in a sanitarium, dying in March of 1959, three weeks before Frank dies. Wow. Trash cans. Wow. Frank and Kitty, 22, solid 22 straight up trash cans, which is the number of years of the marriage before the divorce. Actually, did he maintain relationships? I could probably go 12. I'm going to – no, 12 trash cans, which is after it was over the amount of years she made him wait for a divorce. Fair. Okay, fair. 12. Did he retain
0: relationships with his kids? Yes. Okay, because I was wondering if maybe
1: she moved – like,
0: maybe the kids sort of no, made so their Frank way – No, so Frank Lloyd Wright
1: Jr. sets up in Italy for a while, and when Frank Sr. and Mema are in Italy, they stay with him. Like, I think it's all like, – they invented it's complicated yeah, about Frank sounds, Lloyd Wright. Right. Like Whew, 12 trash cans for that one. I'm 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 good on that. It was bad but it's typical, right? After many happy years of marriage, a lot of kids, you get bored with your li- wife, you have a mistress. You leave the, you know, responsible I mean, wife and yeah, kids. The like a story we've told before, sure. Hell is yeah. old as time. Mm-hmm. Right, like okay. The divorce with Miriam <gasps> Worse. Whoa, that was like the legitimate scandal of the mid nineteen twenties. I am going. Says Bold, with fifteen hundred trash cans. Okay, which was the amount of dollar dollar bills that the hotel bill. Oh right, was for Miriam when, when she, she skipped ran out. out in Chicago and disappeared in the nationwide manhunt for where is Miriam? Okay, fifteen hundred. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Those are the trashy divorces, of Frank Lloyd Wright. All right, thank you, Amy P. Siegel. That was the yeah, that was a, was a that was a ride.
0: Yeah, I kind of thought you were going to tell me that after like his second family got butchered, that uh, he turned over a new leaf. But I guess not. Oh, we have so much
1: more to talk about. No leaves. No, there's <laughs> a Taliesin that's built out in the West. There's a grifting scheme where he gets children of influential, wealthy people to come work for free for him. That's cool. Now, there's this story is the gift that keeps on giving. We're going to have so much fun on Patreon. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Let's take a break. Let's hear a word from our sponsor. We think. And then come back with... Aya the Taiga. Uh, Let's do this. Back in a minute.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our
1: new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences.
0: Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than Podcasts on, yeah, podcasts, homecast, your, your your podcasting apparatus, watching on the YouTube. He's aging himself.
1: So, Stacy, you've got the trashy divorce of a golf phenom champion this week. It's the. I
0: of the Tiger. I really wish we had a budget for music. That would be so <laughs> it great. Would be so
1: much better than us singing I it. would
0: totally just play it in. Anyway, yes. Uh, we've had a lot of requests for this one. I am certainly not going to argue that it's not a goodie. Ladies, gentlemen, NBs, and captive partners to all, it is my great pleasure <laughs> to bring you Not a Hole in One Guy, the Tiger Woods story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's stipulate that Tiger Woods is one of the greatest golf players of all time. Okay. He's a goat. He was a child prodigy whose first appearance in golf digest occurred when he was five years old. It's amazing. He won the under ten category at a competition when he was six.
1: Whoa. And
0: then he won the the nine and ten like boys group at the Junior World Golf Championships when he was eight. Wow. That was the youngest bracket that they had. So I, I'm i not sure why they let an eight-year-old in, but he's... He's talented. He's talented. <laughs> and he would go on to win that tournament six times as what? a junior player.
1: Holy cats.
0: So a little bit of bio before we move to his adult accomplishments and misconduct. <laughs> okay. So Tiger is perhaps less well known as Eldrick Taunt Woods. He was born December 30th, 1975. Capricorn.
1: Yeah, Capricorn baby.
0: You have some thoughts on Capricorn men, I believe having to do with them being very forthright and focused. Mm-hmm. That is Tiger Woods. He grew up in Orange County, California. His father Earl had met his mother. I'm probably going to mispronounce this. And so my apologies, but I think it is Kultita. Okay. In her native Thailand, while he was deployed there in 1968 as part of the Vietnam War, so his parents collectively are like a genetic United Nations. So his dad claims African American, Chinese, and Native American ancestry, and his mother is Thai Chinese and Dutch. So I'm pretty sure if Tiger did a 23andMe, test, I was about to say, just break their system. <laughs> like, anyway, it's very cool. So he came up with. Just uh, like to describe his own personal sense of his his ethnicity, he calls himself, or did when he was much younger, I don't think this comes up so much anymore, but he calls himself uh, Cablin asian or Caucasian, Black, American, Indian, and Asian. Fantastic. So his dad was an accomplished amateur golfer, an athlete, and because of his military career, he had access to the Navy course at... Joint Forces training base in Los Alamitos. Is this some imago happening? Well, it was Tiger's home course as a kid. So, yeah, Tiger at the age of 11 beat his dad at golf for the first time, and Earl oh, that had to feel good. Yeah, Dad Earl says that he never ever won another game against his son.
1: <gasps> yeah. Take my club, son. <laughs> it's yours now. I pass the torch.
0: <laughs> when Tiger was 15 in 1991, he became the youngest U.S. Junior Amateur champion, a record that would hold until 2010. Yeah, he shot on the scene. Oh, yeah. Like... He became the first two-time winner of Whoa. that competition the next yeah. year. Wow. So suffice it to say, when you know, when young Tiger Woods, when the Tiger Cub finished up with high school, colleges were super excited. Oh, yeah. That he was on the market. So he picked Stanford, which had a very like top-notch golf program. I'm sure that he never, ever, ever brags about going to Stanford. (laughs) And he won a ton of amateur competitions and awards during his two years there. And in 96, realizing like, this is my career. I don't, nobody's going to ask me if I have a bachelor's in economics. I can make a lot more money. Yeah. So he drops out of school. He leaves California to evade its taxes. And he started raking in huge, huge amounts of money. He inked sponsorship deals with Nike and the golf ball manufacturer whose name is spelled titliest, and I'm certain that that is pronounced Titleist. Is it? Maybe. We have we we tick the box for bad language on our podcast. So titliest. Uh, these were the highest dollar endorsement <laughs> deals. Don't think that's it. Titliest. But we'll go with it. They are the titliest golf balls out there. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, these were the highest dollar endorsement deals in
1: golf history. Uh, again, this guy's 20. We're going to get so many letters this week from <laughs> golf fans. This was like after tennis. This is awesome.
0: Right. Worth noting, I know nothing about golf. I've never played golf. I've,
1: I'm have i just borrowing from print media here. I went on a lovely date once where we played golf. Okay. It, I've played putt-putt. I'm not good. Oh, I'm great at putt-putt. <laughs> Is it like that? <laughs> Not exactly. There's more riding around in the cart and drinking and washing the golf balls is really fun. Okay. I haven't told you about the time I crashed the golf cart into the tree when I was five. None of this is important. Go <laughs> You were on a on. date when you were five? No, this was when I was little at the Aniston Country Club. We'll cut
0: all of that. Awesome. All right. In 1997, he became the youngest player ever to win the Masters at the age of 21. God. Whoa. Two months later, he landed the number one ranking in pro golf, and that was the fastest rise to the top in the sports history. Phenom. All was not sunbeams for Cub Tiger, however. So as a child, he apparently overcame stuttering. And now, like at, just at the outset of his career, he's already just such a bankable sports property. His eyesight was deteriorating. So in 1999, he goes in, I guess this is, it's laser eye surgery. I'm guessing this is LASIK. Okay. This is a super risky, like, can you imagine the conversations that must have been had?
1: Yeah, if it doesn't go great.
0: Well, he picked up a new sponsor and that was the TLC Laser Eye Center. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Guess that went well. Successfully corrected his vision. I think he's had this done like in the late 2000s as well. Nice. His eyesight again got weird. I, yeah, I guess like contact lenses, maybe not ideal. Like you'd hate to be on the course and something gets under your lens or what, you know, like it seems like when people have trouble with a contact lens, it's really debilitating. And anyway, whatever. So lasers, it's very sci-fi. 99, he had eight wins. Whoa. Including the PGA championship. And in 2000, he followed it up with six consecutive PGA tour wins the longest winning streak since 1948. Whoa. He won the U.S. Open that year by a 15-stroke margin. That's a bunch. Breaking or tying nine tournament records and took home an $800,000 check for his efforts.
1: That's a lot of smackaroos. It is a
0: lot of smackaroos. He was 24, and he was the youngest golfer ever to earn the career Grand Slam by winning all the major tournaments on the circuit in the same year. Wow. It was the following year, while his career continued to unfold like a heady rose, that his life would change. And this is where we park young Tiger Woods at the Trashy Divorces Depot. Choo-choo! Meanwhile, far, far away, in Stockholm, Sweden, a Swedish politician and a Swedish journalist welcomed a pair of baby girls into the world on January 1st, 1980, the perfect New Year, New Decade gift for them.
1: Double Capricorns. They'd
0: end up divorcing later, but uh, Have fun mom and dad. Double Capricorns. They have yeah. an older brother too. I don't know whether he's it's also a cap. I heard of it. Okay, so I am so I'm trying so hard to pronounce Elin's name correctly consistently because it's not spelled that way. Anyway, Elin Elon Maria Pernia Nordegren seems to have had a pretty typical Swedish childhood, and then uh, and you know, again she's a twin. So as teenagers, she and her sister would, like, they had little grocery store jobs, whatever, making some pocket money. And she even did some modeling. It was not a passion for her. I picture them
1: like Sweet Valley High. A little bit. That's, yeah. Oh, it's very Sweet Valley High. It's like Swedish edition.
0: Yeah, that's the feeling I get. Like, that when people, like, she's not a super public person. But when people talk about her, it's very, she's very smart. She's very focused. She, like, the she is not. She's not one to be trifled with. Let's put it that way. Do you think
1: she's Jessica or Elizabeth? I wonder. I think those are the girls' names in Sweet Valley High. Is that right? Oh,
0: I don't know. I never read them. Is- Sorry. I was barely a girl. <laughs> you know that about me. So the scout who uh, like discovered her would tell Sports Illustrated, like years and years later, quote, Elin doesn't care about modeling. She never has. Even the few things I got her to do, I had to drag her into the studio being famous, the whole celebrity thing, she really and truly does not care about that. Okay. I would like to take a moment to talk about being a modeling scout or a fashion photographer in a Nordic country <laughs> like
1: Everywhere you turn your head like Let's go to the mailbox. Are you
0: busy? Yeah. Are you like right are you busy right this I need like just 10 minutes of your time. <laughs> All right. Anyway, as noted, Elin wasn't really into it, and instead of pursuing modeling, she went to college. Good for her. (laughs) She worked part-time at a clothing store called Champagne.
1: Of course she did. Of
0: course she did. I think her sister may have worked there, too. It was here that she met Mia Parnovik, wife to Swedish golf star Jesper Parnovik. Oh. This is how Jacob Bernstein described the Parnovics in The Daily Beast in 2009. Quote, the Parnovics were sort of like the posh and becks of Swedish golf. Oh, yeah. He was known as much for his disco inspired trousers and strange hats as for his playing acumen. Oh. His wife is something of a shopaholic, hence the fortuitous meeting with Nordegren. So these two were planning a move to America. I would also note, like the to me, like the idea that you're gonna leave a European a well run European country to come here is like crazy to me at this point i will note though that the united states as far as i know is unique among the developed countries and that like if you're swedish and come here sweden doesn't tax you but if you're american and go there interesting the united states will attempt to tax you huh and they usually succeed (laughs)
1: interesting put
0: it that way okay so they were planning on coming here they needed a nanny for their kids and elon took the job so in 01 you have a look Go ahead. No, go, go All no, right. No. In 01, when Jesper played at the British Open, he happened to introduce Tiger to his family.
1: Oh, and the nanny. And the nanny.
0: Tiger apparently really likes blonde women.
1: Super califragilistic.
0: That was a little check mark I made with my hand there. Oh, I heard it. Okay. Tiger Woods may be smooth like glass on a golf course, but he's apparently pretty useless when it comes to interpersonal stuff. Oh. This, of course, will come to seem ironic later in our story. I think he's maybe outgrown that. He was completely taken with Elon, who barely noticed him. Her dream was to become a child psychologist. She had zero interest in golf or golfers, and she definitely did not want to be seen as some sort of like Swedish gold digger sleeping her way through her boss's colleagues. <laughs> like, All of this sounds very smart. Yes. Um, and Tiger... Oh, no. really like the word doofus comes to mind oh. um he didn't know how to talk to her so he had a friend ask her out and she was pissed like who does that that's like ridiculous anyway so she said no
1: so he pulls a uh sierra bergerac like a little bit a okay. little bit um, Found and and... Out. Caught. but it turns out he's like she's
0: no dummy and um yeah she's thoroughly annoyed by it very lame so like having some grace for tiger woods this is a guy who is like preternaturally talented at like a weird sport it's what he's been doing since he was old enough literally to hold a golf club like this is what his dad sure had him doing it seems likely he's now in his 20s he's super rich but he's, like, good at one thing. There's literally one thing in life he can do. He's really good at it.
1: And it's not being smooth with and the ladies. And it's not being
0: smooth with the ladies. Yeah. Again, looks like he gets over this.
1: <laughs> Apparently.
0: Apparently. So, a little grace for him for that. Maybe his personality developed a little later than many. Okay. So, I guess he started kind of strategizing how to make this thing with Elon happen. <laughs> So he just starts calling Jesper all the time. Like suddenly they're great friends. Oh! <laughs> Eventually it did work.
1: Hey buddy, um, I got a six pack. I'm coming over to hang
0: out. No kidding. Um, Yeah. So it seems like Tiger made their courtship unnecessarily complicated early on, but they ended up having some stuff in common. Like she had grown up playing soccer. And so like they had sports in common, even though, Like, she had absorbed a lot of golf knowledge just by being the nanny to these- He woos her. He woos her. They both are sort of temperamentally sort of conservative, very private, very just, I don't know. Like, it turns out they had a lot in common. He was a doofus at the start. Uh, It took a minute to overcome his (laughs) his own doofiness. Okay. In 2003, they became engaged while on safari in South Africa. Oh, wow. On October 5th, 2004, Tiger dropped a couple million dollars on their wedding in Barbados. Whoa. Yeah, they opted for a band rather than a DJ, and that band was Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Wow. After the partying and the fireworks were done, lots of fireworks, like, they... Anyway, uh, the guests included Charles Barkley, Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Serena Williams... Holy cats! ...and Michael Jordan. Oh my god! After all that, Tiger and Elon retired to Tiger's $20 million yacht privacy.
1: Well, sure they did.
0: He was 28, she was 24. And to preserve their privacy, he also rented all the helicopters on the island so no one could (sighs) peek in from above. What a genius idea! And... Also to accommodate family and guests, but he also bought out the entire five-star Sandy Lane Resort, whose 110 rooms rent from around 400 to around $4,500 a night. At least back then, I'm sure, it's, wow. I'm sure it's a little more now. Friends, it is fair to say that things seemed auspicious. While Tiger's 03 and 04 seasons were slumps, he roared back in 05, picking up six PGA Tour wins, and reclaiming the top ranking that he'd lost to Vijay Singh the year before. On the home front, the couple bought a $40 million 10-acre oceanfront estate on Jupiter Island, Florida.
1: There is a lot of money and some gall. No
0: state income tax in Florida. Oh, mm. yeah. Uh, he'd already, he, that's where he moved after California. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this is at the end of 05. This estate spans the island from the Atlantic to the intercoastal waterway. Just up the road from Jesper and Mia, the Parnavics, <laughs> as well as golfers Nick Price and Greg Norman, and for good measure, Celine Dion has a house in the neighborhood. I <laughs> not. This is uh, This is called one of the most expensive zip codes, or maybe the most expensive zip code in America. Um, this is some trashy spiderwebs. Their first child, Sam Alexis Woods, was born on June eighteenth, two thousand and seven nice while tiger was playing at the u.s open oh yeah so elon was hospitalized with complications ahead of the delivery i guess he came in second but basically he came off the course and hopped a plane back to florida so he would tell the press later it wasn't life-threatening or anything but she just had a few problems and had to be admitted it was not easy because i wanted to be there and the doctor and elon said there's nothing you can do so go out there and just get a w well i came close but that night was infinitely more rewarding than any W ever could have been. Aw, well, that's nice. Yeah, so you know, Elon came through it like a champ. Whatever, whatever the complication was, uh, it it did not, in fact, seem serious. And the two were rapidly enveloped in new parent things: diapers, feedings, not sleeping, etc. An old Stanford teammate of Tiger's named Nota Begay, maybe. Told the press around this time, you've got to understand, when you grow up with a father with a military background, you've got to learn how to focus when you're getting yelled at. And you've got to learn how to focus when you have distractions. So, baby number two, Charlie Axel Woods joined the family in early February 2009. Wow. It is fair to note that this is probably the last high watermark for the marriage of Tiger Woods and Elin Nordegren. Yeah, because it
1: sounds good so far. So far. Great. Great. Very nice. Super Great. nice. Great. Yeah.
0: Thanksgiving 2009. Oh. The National Enquirer published a hit piece. Oh, no. Alleging that Tiger was having an affair with a New York nightclub hostess who had joined him most recently in Melbourne, Australia, while Tiger played the Australian Masters. Yikes.
1: I guess Elon was home with the kids.
0: Both yeah. of them denied the affair. But then this other thing happened. It's just time travel because a lot of people will remember this. So we're going to call this the one car crash heard around the world. <laughs> so in the early morning hours of November 27th, two days after the Enquirer piece landed, police were called to the Woods Mansion after Tiger lost control of his Cadillac Escalade at 2.25 a.m. after pulling out of his driveway, crashing into a fire hydrant and then a tree in his neighbor's yard. Oh, my. Alcohol was not involved, according to police. The detail that caught the world's attention was that Elan smashed out the back window of the SUV with a golf club. The official story is that this was done to help Free Tiger, who was, of course, sitting a mile and a half up in the driver's seat, because those are not small cars. Like, I think, this, I think the story was that the doors were locked, and so she was
1: trying to somehow... Yeah, it's not a... I bet if you looked in their garage, you'd find a bunch of broken glass. I don't want to say anything, but (laughs) That's suspicious. One car
0: accident. One car accident.
1: No drugs, no alcohol. 2.25 in the morning in his own driveway, basically. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m., Back window smashed out, golf club, wife in hand. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. police arrived, because the neighbor called the cops, he was laid out on the
0: ground with Elon frantically hovering over him, and he was in and out of consciousness. He was apparently mumbling. He didn't, like, the cops said there. he didn't say anything clear.
1: Oh, um, my.
0: His lips were bloody, and he had blood in his mouth, possibly from striking the steering wheel with his face, which would imply he was not buckled in. And again, this is a very cautious human being. Like, this is just a very kind of straight up kind of guy. It's hard to hard to think that he would not buckle himself in.
1: Well, if your wife is coming after you with a golf club in mm-hmm. her hand, you probably get in the car to go. You probably get yourself out of the situation.
0: Yeah, this story really took off like a rocket. So this is a part that I remember really clearly. There was this Taiwanese animation house. That started making all of these weird, like, videos of, like, what probably happened, they think, versus, like, what authorities Dramatic
1: say. reenactment. It's,
0: they're just so weird. And I remember at the time, I mean, because it got played on television everywhere oh, because...
1: Sure, it was big news.
0: Yeah, like, CNN was trying to get to the bottom of this. And, I mean, it was just, it was chaos. And so then... It was I, simpler too It really was. The stuff we were focused on back then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think I recall like this studio got picked up to make all kinds of weird like the Jimmy Kimmel show or something. some late night thing I used to watch back then had them kind of turning out stuff for all occasions. It was uh, it was neat. Okay, so so yeah, then there are these weird Taiwanese videos out there like that are speculating about what might have happened. And I think the widely held idea that has always been denied by tiger and elon and everyone who knows them is that basically the two of them had a late night fight tiger tried either to flee or storm off in a huff something elon chased him out to the garage with a golf club and that the accident actually happened because tiger was distracted by her smashing the back window as he tried to get away pull
1: out of the yeah
0: yeah And in the aftermath, he did not make himself available to talk to the police. Ooh, that's... Like, he was hospitalized for a few hours, sent home, and then, like, Florida troopers came by the next day, and, like, and he was asleep. And then the day after that, they came by, and then there was, like, someone from the Tiger Woods business on hand to tell him where they could go talk which was not to Tiger Woods and not at that house. And then, Interesting. Yeah, they eventually closed their investigation. Like, it just became clear that there was going to be no...
1: Golf Island PD, out.
0: Yeah, um, Tiger was not going to risk perjuring himself to... Anyway. So what's happening with Tiger and Elon in the house? This is uncomfortable. <sighs> I mean, they're covering something up. Okay. Sorry, pure speculation there. I have no evidence whatsoever. Again, this National Enquirer story had been out for a couple days, and more and more women start coming forward to dish about their affairs with him in more and more publications. Oh, no. So, Tiger released statements like I making... I guess he worked
1: out his problems with the
0: ladies, huh? Oh, just wait. Oh, no. um, So, Tiger's re- releasing statements... Taking the blame for everything, making perfectly clear that Elon was without fault, that he had betrayed his own values, that she was not part of the late night crash. And basically that he's an asshole and she's the best wife and mother in existence, which
1: is perfectly what you should be saying. That is,
0: for a guy in that situation, that is the what you say? best you can do. <laughs> and if it had been like a couple of dalliances here and there, maybe things would have gone differently for her part elon has never chased fame so she stayed pretty quiet she sat down with a cnn reporter at one point and was kind of like look i didn't i didn't have any reason to suspect anything was going on i had two babies i was I'm busy going to college mm-hmm. i'm like because she's still studying psychology like she graduates in 2014 oh that's fantastic with her degree in Good psychology that yeah like she's doing her own thing she's Living her best life. She's, like, married to a rich dude, and he travels a lot with work. And anyway, so all of that entirely reasonable stuff. But within a couple weeks, there were, like, a dozen women <gasps> oh, claiming no. affairs with Tiger. And many of There's them had stuff like voicemails and text messages Oh no! to share. A Los Angeles cocktail waitress named Jamie Grubbs claimed to have had a 31-month-long affair with him. Oh, my... Which again is just a different thing than a random hookup.
1: Yeah. So,
0: this prompted Tiger to release a statement admitting to transgressions. (laughs) Um, You think? He withdrew from his own golf tournament to avoid having to talk to the press about everything. And in fairness, the press's appetite and the public's appetite for the story was pretty insatiable for a while. And Yahoo's then-CEO, Carol Bartz, told investors that Tiger's misfortune was, quote, better than Michael Jackson dying in terms of traffic and ad revenue. Oh. So I think we can all be pretty confident that Carol Bartz will be ending up in the bad place.
1: For sure.
0: Sponsors fled. Not all of them, though, but, like, a lot. It's what you would expect, right? Like, he was a brand, and... This is not a great
1: brand got smashed by a a golf club.
0: Not a great thing to do to your brand. Tiger announced a hiatus from golf like indefinite to focus on his marriage. And meanwhile, the New York club hostess who had initially denied that affair in Melbourne, Australia, blah, blah, blah. She herself was shocked by the sheer number of women coming forward and reports of things like Tiger having unprotected sex with porn stars. Because
1: she thought he was only unfaithful with
0: her? So she announced that she was getting tested for sexually transmitted diseases, more or less confirming that, yeah, the number by this point is more than 15, (gasps) I think. Wow. Tiger checked himself into rehab for sex addiction.
1: Good for him.
0: And there was some suggestion early in the new year, because again, this happened over Thanksgiving weekend. So so sometime later, that Elon went to spend some days with him, do some counseling with him, and and considered not divorcing him after that. Like, again, it
1: he really screwed up, right? Penis in your pants, man. <laughs> Okay.
0: In February, he took to the podium at a Florida golf club to speak publicly about everything for the first time. And he really took responsibility. Like, well, that's stand up. Yeah. uh, And after making this podcast for more than a year. We don't see that very often. Yeah. Let's pause and praise that level of basic decency.
1: Good job, Tiger.
0: Having covered world-class scumbags like Ike Turner, Newt Gingrich, Rudy Giuliani, and even Charles Dickens. It is refreshing to see a guy who has genuinely, royally screwed up say, Hey, I suck and I need to do better. Just basically what he said. No, yeah, A plus. That's so props, good. Props mm-hmm. to you, Tiger. So he and Elon did divorce. The de- decree was finalized on August 23rd,
1: 2010.
0: Wow. And because Florida has incredible public records laws, it's a public document. And we'll put it with all of our other resources at TrashyDivorces.com. Oh, my. The specifics of the settlement were not formally made public, but reporting has it that Elon got $100 million or so. Fantastic. And their lawyers issued a statement that said, quote, "...while we are no longer married, we are the parents of two wonderful children, and their happiness has been and will always be of paramount importance to us. Once we came to the decision that our marriage was at an end, the primary focus of our amicable discussions has been to ensure their future well-being." Well, this is all very good. Yeah. Again, it sucks about all the cheating, but A-plus on the aftermath uh, for both of them, really. In 2014, Elon praised Tiger in an interview with People Magazine saying that their relationship at that point was anchored to their children and that they're all doing really well and that Tiger's a great father. So, like, she became – he was seeing Lindsay Vaughn, the skier.
1: Is that what she does? Uh, sure. Fellow Go Badgers.
0: Fellow freakishly good athlete. Lindsay okay. vaughn and yeah like elon and Lindsay became friends she was seeing someone and like apparently the four of them would socialize from time oh, to time well, like there it's you go. yeah way better than you would expect like sometimes we're just not meant to be married and that's okay right and it's worth noting that tiger has not remarried really nor has elon for that matter interesting and as noted she graduated from rollins college in 2014 with a bachelor's in psychology go badgers i'm just kidding. <laughs> well done well done so one thing i thought was really wonderful and very telling about her character is that her post-divorce house was a 12 million dollar mansion built in the 1920s about 25 minutes away from the mansion with tiger wow so the kids stay close so she buys the place and has architects and all that come out to 1920s glamour i know it sounds yeah it sounds wonderful um so, and you know, Palm Beach area, basically. Great.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So they told her that it would cost more to bring the existing structure up to <sighs> the current hurricane codes oh. than tearing it down and starting fresh wood. And so I think most people in her situation would be like, cool, and they'd call the demolition team. She called Habitat for Humanity.
1: <gasps> what? This is she, awesome. Mm-hmm, and she, they came
0: and re... She gave them a month to take whatever you want. We're gonna, that is,
1: um, mm-hmm. can you imagine oh, yeah. the fixtures, the tiles?
0: twelve the... <sighs> A 12-foot fountain spouting water out of three lion's mouths. Whoa. Wine, like wine refrigerators, uh, um, a bunch of refrigerators. A lot of furniture was still in it.
1: Amazing. But yeah, I'm sure the hardware and
0: doors and there just were Come windows. on and take it.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, they had a big auction in October 2019. So really just a few months ago. Elin gave birth to a son with former NFL player Jordan Cameron. This is her third child. Don't know the kid's name. Doesn't matter. Tiger's career definitely went through a rough patch during this period. So I think he had been dealing with a leg injury at the time that all of this broke. So between sort of those physical problems and then just the psychological distraction of a scandal and a divorce and all that. Well, Uh, he also
1: went back for eye surgery again, right? He's had two of them.
0: Yeah, I think that may have been in 07, so that may have been before. Can't
1: see the forest for the trees. Oh, look Uh, at you. Sorry. Look at you. I had one good joke, and it's going to go bad from now.
0: (laughs) Okay, so his next few seasons were tough. Then he had serious back trouble, needed multiple surgeries to correct that in 2015 and 2016. So really, he he really had a bad close to a decade of... He did roar back once again at the season closer in twenty eighteen, just up the road at the East Lake Golf Club. Oh yeah. Which always screws up traffic in our like area. Nobody's business. Hate it. They wrap the whole fencing and black cloth and they're it's just, just and then they're just white people in dumb clothes wandering around a lot. Okay. After winning the Masters in 2019, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Ah. So what? Yeah, By his... Trump. I didn't. I left that out. <laughs> this was a super, super trashy scandal when it happened. So for that, I'm gonna give Tiger Woods eighteen trash cans. Fantastic! All with a little flag sticking out of them. Um, <laughs> eighteen is the number of major championships that golf legend Jack Nicklaus won during his career. And that is the number that Tiger Woods has always had the goal of beating, and he very well might. He is, I think, three behind oh, right now. Okay, he is forty-three or forty-four.
1: He's got the eye of the tiger; it's in him.
0: Yeah, Jack Nicklaus won the Masters for the last time when he was forty-six. He was the oldest player to do so. Okay, but just given how different, like lifelong athletes, that that whole process of how you like diet and stay in shape and just all of that is very different today than it was when Jack Nicholas was active and mostly in the 60s through the 80s were his peak years. I suspect that Tiger Woods will eventually hit that number, that 19 number that he wants.
1: So anyway, 18 trash cans topped with red flags? with Yes, with
0: little red flags. But I also think that some halos are in order as well for both Tiger and Elon, who have really handled their post-marriage very, very well. And seem to have made their children,
1: like, the most important thing in their lives. That's the way you do it. it didn't so, work out with us. Not the kid's fault. Not the kid's fault. Good on you, Tiger and Elon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it
0: was, it was trashy. <laughs> it was, I've always lived in a hermetically sealed bubble. And even, like, that even penetrated my, like,
1: down with the world. No, it was a lot. It was hot news. It was hot news. This week has been fun trashy on two different sides of the fence yeah for sure whoa so anyway there it is eye of the tiger that was awesome well done thanks this week i'm super excited coming up on patreon we do have some business to attend to now trashy tutors is back oh April in Paris is launching on Wednesday. That is going to be amazing. <sighs> mm-hmm. And you've got a flaming dumpster fire this I week do. coming up. I,
0: I think I may have mentioned it last
1: week, too, but I did not
0: get around to actually getting it done. But, yeah, we're going to have the uh,
1: the Jimmy Swagger story going up sometime this week. And, oh, God, Falling Waters. There's like nine things out of my story. Trashy tidbits. Don't oh, forget. Oh, yeah, I've got some tidbits about Tiger's dad that are... Mwah. Fanta- I there's always can't stop won't stop there's always something happening around here so lots of new stuff coming on patreon are you ready to draw for next week i am yes you ready we have our mugs by we do lauren f who they have cats on them they they're do. awesome they do mine says not today patriarchy you go first next week so i'll let you draw first oh okay i'm gonna put my glasses on so i can read okay and I we're not out.
0: we're not announcing we're Giving no, a hint. No, just giving a hint. Okay. Okay.
1: I want you to give a hint and then I want to see who you have. Oh, uh,
0: this one gets requested a lot. Um my hint. Um I guess we'll just stare into the abyss of all of his true lies.
1: Let me see, let me see. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's good. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna do mine. Uh that's the one. Oh, oh, oh. This is heavily listener requested. Okay. Um, he's not as good of a guy as you'd imagine. Look. Oh, Oh. oh okay. All right. All right. We'll be back. All right. Next Sunday that should for be an you interesting with two episode. new Trashy Divorces. Thanks everybody for tuning in. You are the very best. Get your free trash candy at bit.ly Trash Candy Quarantine. There's a slash in there, but yes. Until then... Keep it trashy. Keep it so trashy. Stay safe, too. Wash your hands. Thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. You literally are the best community ever. And oh, I forgot to say that my mug has a cat with a tiara. Hmm. And it says, may you have the confidence of a cat who has zero fucks left to give.
0: That is like the prayer for every day.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. But only (laughs) inside your home. Do it like as an inside cat. That's it. Keep it trashy, friends. Yep. Talk with you next week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V.
0: Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on
1: Instagram.